I liked so many different things. So specializing in that one area at the time was not really what I wanted to do with my career at all. And so then I was like, okay, but I still need to do that PGY too. Like I still had it in my head that that's what I needed to do. And, you know, just like I said, when I talked to my mentors, the more and more I talked with them, the more I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. And the position that I'm in now where I get to do a little bit of everything all the time is more perfect for me and what I wanted to do with my career. I see my victory so clear. It's a Having a rough time with residency, Dr. Richard has your Rx for a happy farm life. So guys, real talk, regardless of where you are in your pharmacy career, the most challenging time that you'll ever face will occur with one main event, the transition. Whether you're going from undergraduate to pharmacy school, going from pharmacy school to working a community or other job, or going from pharmacy school into a residency. It's that transition time that can cause the most stress, uncertainty, and anxiety. But that's exactly what we're going to break down today. Specifically, if you're considering or in the midst of a residency program, we are going to break it down with what to avoid, what to focus on, and how you can not just survive, but thrive in your time as a resident. Guys, I'm super excited to bring this guest to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast because we've been chatting on Instagram for quite a long time. I'm super impressed by the content, consistency, and evolution and value that she brings to social media, specifically on her YouTube channel, but now more on Instagram. So I'm pleased to introduce to you all Dr. Sierra Richard, Pediatric Women's Health Clinical Pharmacist to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I can live up to that introduction there. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I mean, that, that's just who you are. I mean, I love it. And you just shine through your, your happiness. I mean, the brand that you chose from what you're passionate about just personifies you to a T. And I, this is honestly, guys, this is the first time like actually meeting her, even though we've been talking for, I don't know, six months, a year now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this woman just radiates help. And if you just check out her content, She's always helping pharmacy students, pharmacists that are new into a residency track, or people that are considering going into it. Um, so I like to start with the big question, because the answer is normally different for each person. Why did you choose pharmacy? So a lot of times we have different endpoints, but sometimes the beginning is where the real richness lies. So can you just invite us into what led you to choose pharmacy in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So I was always into science growing up. And I had said, since I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to be a teacher. And when I was in high school, I think I was like, maybe a sophomore in high school, we had to take the quiz, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? What's best suited for And my top choice was actually pharmacist. And of course, me being the high school student I was, I was like, yeah, whatever. I had to take this stupid quiz at school, gave it to my mom. Well, being a mom, she decided to take that a little bit further. And the next day I get in the car and I have a job interview at the local pharmacy for the summer. So I went to the job interview. I got the job as a pharmacy technician and I started working there. And I just absolutely fell in love with the profession of pharmacy, just helping patients and just seeing what the pharmacists do because there was so much science in it and chemistry and they were teaching all the time. So it kind of merged that I wanted to be a teacher 
and that love for science, particularly chemistry that I had as a student in high school. And so that's what I decided I wanted to do. So from 16 on, I had just had that goal of I want to be a pharmacist. And so at the time, I wanted to be a community pharmacist. But I, again, had always said I wanted to be a teacher. So I really liked working with kids. And it wasn't until undergrad that I even realized that there was that opportunity to do pediatric pharmacy. And my organic chemistry professor, who had used to work at a pharmacy school, actually was like, well, you know what? You might be a good clinical pharmacist. You could work with kids. You know, I had told them about what I wanted to do. And so that was the first time it had like planted that seed in my head was my second year of undergrad. And I carried that with me to pharmacy school. I got a job as a pharmacy intern at the Women's and Children's Hospital near my college. And I went from there and just loved pediatrics ever since. Wow. So I've not heard a story like that to start off. Like I want to be a teacher, so I want to be a pharmacist. And this I didn't tell you this, but I actually, one of my favorite podcasts that I ever did when I first started was about three years ago, my favorite teacher of all time was in seventh grade. And I actually ran into him at the grocery store a few years ago. And it was right around when I was starting my own thing. And I said, Hey man, I think that pharmacists are really teachers. Like at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. So I went and interviewed my way back when seventh grade teacher about why, te- why pharmacists are such great teachers and the parallels that it takes because he won like teacher of the year in Pennsylvania. So he clearly knew what he was doing. So just kind of showing the parallels of what a good teacher is and what a good pharmacist is. So I, I love that because I've never heard someone starting pharmacy with the intention of teaching, but I've heard a lot of people go through it and realize that that is one of the fundamentals that we do is we are teachers. So yeah, absolutely. Patients, student pharmacists. Um, I work at a university hospital. So now medical residents, you know, there's tons of teaching going on every day in my job. And I love that it's just integrated in there with all the science things that I love. And that's such a great point too, that you got involved in pharmacy early on to kind of try it out and see what you like. That's so invaluable. And part of my story as well. But one thing that was cool is you got in a community, but then you really saw what your passion was. You started to get mentors. You started to ask questions. And that led you to kind of creating your path and direction towards what you wanted to go towards. Then, as you went through pharmacy school, you realized that was the track that you wanted to go down. So, at what point did you realize that a residency was required? And what did that whole process look like for you? So, I had figured out kind of early on in my first year that if I wanted to do the pediatrics thing, that that was probably what I was going to have to do. I was about halfway through my first year when I got the job at the hospital that I did. And I started asking questions there and developing mentors there. I'm like, okay, so you have this job. How do I get your job? That was basically what I was asking. How do I become the pharmacist that you are? And most of them had done a residency. Some of them hadn't done pediatrics, but most of them had. And that was kind of what the current manager was looking for, because I asked her as well, you know, what are you looking for in the pharmacist that you bring in? And she was, you know, people who are pediatric trained to go through residency, who get that specialized training, because, you know, in pharmacy school, pediatrics is not what we talk about very often. A lot of the stuff that we talk about doesn't fit into that kind of bubble. We're, you know, doing more standardized dosing for adults, where a lot of the stuff in pediatrics is very different down to the kinetics we do very differently in those patients. So 
I really started asking questions in that first year I figured out, okay, I'm going to have to set myself up for residency. So then I started asking the question, well, how do I do that? What is required for that? So I really got involved with organizations. That was the first step, um, particularly the American Pharmacist Association is where I um, pretty much called my pharmacy home because I did want to do pediatrics. I was interested in that, but I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into that right away in pharmacy school because you never know what you're going to find that you love as well, which I found that I didn't just love pediatrics. I love women health as well. So, you know, there's other things that I was passionate about, but I was able to explore all of those things through organizations um, and getting mentors that were not just at the hospital I worked at, but people in academia settings, people who are clinical pharmacists in other settings, and just asking questions, you know, listening to their story, learning from their story, because I feel like that's the best way to learn is to just ask questions of the people that you are learning from. My preceptors, when I go on rotations, you know, at some point I would ask them, you know, how did you get here? You know, what did you do to get here? And learning from them and just getting little pieces of advice from different people and putting it all together to make my journey happen and make it a little bit easier on myself from learning from what they did right and what they did wrong and, you know, adapting to that. Exactly. And I love how you said, like, the best way to learn is to ask questions and also go through the experience. And that's really, I'm excited to ask this because I did not do a residency, but I've heard enough about it to be glad I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I turned out okay. But uh, so I'm excited to ask this. So Regardless of your endeavor, whether you guys listening are considering starting a pharmacy career or changing careers, you have some sort of idea about what that career will look like. And oftentimes, as life happens, things are unexpected that come up, things that we didn't plan on and that just can feel overwhelming, whether in a good way or a bad way. So what I want to ask you is, so so you went through pharmacy school, you got a residency, and then I'm going to fast forward us now into your in-residency life, your first year residency. When you started, looking in hindsight, when you started that first year, what were some things that you didn't expect, whether that's life as a resident or life outside of a resident? So like that free time that doesn't really exist. (laughs) So what that looked like or what you thought it would exist, but it, it didn't. So What things did you expect that did happen? And what were some unexpected surprises that you had to deal with specifically in your first year? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody tells you it's a hard year. And that's that's what they tell you. But you can do anything for a year. And now I hate that saying because just because you can do anything for a year doesn't mean that it's going to be fun or that it's for everyone. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing I want to say for me personally, it was the right move. I now being, I did a year of residency. I am in my absolute dream job. Like I could not imagine a better position for myself. It is everything I wanted and more. I am so happy. So I don't regret my year. It was good for me, but I think when people are considering residency, they need to hear the honest truth and it is going to be more than hard. Yeah. And that's kind of what I would like to say, you know, you know, you're going to work long hours, but you don't know what it feels like to really do an 80 hour work week, plus then prepare for topic discussions, plus make sure your residency uh, project is on track and balancing all of that. You know, I was a very involved pharmacy student. I got married during pharmacy school. I was involved in organizations, even at the regional level. I was serving on national committees as a student representative, 
as well as, you know, balancing working and all of that stuff. So I was like, Oh, I got time management. I've got that. No, I was I learned very quickly that I was not, um, I was, you know, you come into it thinking that you're just so ready and it's a very different mindset. Um, so I think that was one thing I didn't expect. One thing I did expect was the long hours, what it feels like to be doing that. I didn't really expect. And I think it's more, you know, figuring out your balance. And that took me probably a good six months of residency to figure out my balance. But I think one of the other things that I did expect was to learn a ton. And I did. And, you know, I created some really awesome mentors who I could go to for life advice, career advice, as well as just to ask questions to learn more to take care of patients and just be a better pharmacist. And I think that one thing I did expect and did get out of it is I am a better pharmacist for doing a residency, particularly for pediatrics. You know, I get questions from family and friends about, you know, medications for their kids. And I'm to the point that I don't look that up. I'm like, oh, I've got that. I worked in the ED. Yeah, if you went there, that's what we would do for the common cold, you know. So being able to answer those questions about dosing and those things off the cuff, I really learned whenever I was in my last rotation in residency, how much I learned because I was precepting. And so you learn how much you know when you're teaching somebody else. And so that was really exciting. But there was a lot of things that I didn't expect. So for me personally, I am married. And the whole plan was my husband to move with me wherever I got a residency. And that didn't happen. And that was, it was actually a great thing for him. He got a really awesome job promotion here um, where I am now. I came back to where I was, but um, where he had stayed. And I was like, you can't not take that opportunity. I'm doing something to advance my career you need to do the same. And so he did. Um, So that was the first thing that was hard. I basically went by myself. I had no family in Texas. I had a couple of friends that were more acquaintances actually from pharmacy school um, that I'd met through organizations, but those were the only people I knew. And so I move away with this plan that I was going to have my pets and my husband, and then I'm by myself. Yeah. So that was kind of the first, oh gosh, this is not what I planned. And so that that was a little rough. The other thing was that I don't like blood and I got the staff in the emergency room um, on the weekend. (laughs) So that was another unexpected. Oh gosh, I was not prepared for that. And I think what I wasn't prepared for most was that this was a big trauma center. And I had worked at, like I said, a pediatric hospital and I had seen codes, but we weren't a trauma center. And so for me, I went through something that I think was the hardest thing for me as a resident was experiencing the death of my patients Mm. and doing so suddenly. And I think that that really struggle was a struggle for me. Um, Pediatric patients, kids coming in with gunshot wounds or drownings or, you know, things that I just wasn't ready for. That was probably one of the biggest struggles I had was, you know, how do I handle that? And so I did what I did in pharmacy school and I asked questions, you know, the E, um, the ED pharmacist that was my preceptor, you know, I was like, how do you deal with this? You know, um, I asked several people who'd worked in that area because some of them had left for the reason that they didn't want to handle that. And so I really asked questions. I actually got involved with the employee assistance program because I was really struggling with several of the losses that we had. They called me the black cloud in residency because I could walk into the ED and there would definitely be a code happening. 
Oh. That, that's what happened when I worked in the emergency department. Oh, no. It is what it is. I got a great experience and I learned a ton from it, but it did get to the point I was working every other weekend, 12 days in a row, two days off, and then experiencing those losses of patients. It just was really hard on me because I felt like, you know, I'd work that weekend. Well, then I would have five or six days before I got a break to like mentally you know, yeah. work through that. And then you're getting hit again and again and again. And so I did have to ask for that extra help. And I think if you're a student or you're a resident right now, you know, make sure you're asking, you know, what kind of help do you have? Because if you've never experienced that before, it is hard. And speak of the animals. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's Mr. Miyagi back there. Um. <laughs> he just popped off. But well, we light we lighten the topic. If you guys are watching the yeah. YouTube version, her cat jumped on and then just disappeared. <laughs> so. yeah, that's pretty much how he goes. So anyway, um, but definitely asking for that help. And that that was something that was, you know, really important to me was getting the help that I needed to get through that. And I was able to handle those losses because they continued to happen. I mean, we're a hospital and then the coronavirus hit and all of that stuff. Another unexpected turn. You know, those things were really difficult. But through that, I still had a support system. Um, one of the things, it's kind of expected or you hope that you have a good relationship with your co-residents, but I had a great relationship with my co-residents. And I think that was something that I really am so happy that I had. We had a great relationship. I could go to them. Somebody else who really knows what you're going through. And I also reached out to other friends who are residency to talk through this because we all feel like we're the only one dealing with it, but that's not true. There's residents across the country who are dealing with the same thing, just in a different location. And I think that's the other, you know, really important point that I want current residents to get out of this is, you know, reach out to somebody who's been through it before or is currently going through it because they can help you so much deal with what you're struggling with. So I know those are like, that's the, the downer part, but the good thing I got out of all of that was so, so much experience. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, by the end of residency, handle those code situations on my own. The doctors trusted me, the nursing staff trusted me, and I trusted myself to be in that position alone, which is something that I didn't have when I walked into that pharmacy. Because, you know, the difference between a student pharmacist and a resident in their first rotation is your diploma and you pass your boards. But as far as experience, there's not really a difference there. You know, you're, you're coming in with so much more responsibility and authority because you're a pharmacist now, but that experience hasn't increased yet. And so for me, that was another, you kind of have that identity crisis there. Like, am I really qualified to be doing this? But by the end of residency, I was like, you know what? Yes. Yeah, I can do this. I can take whatever job that, you know, I'm applying for and I'm qualified. Absolutely. And I love what you shared with all of that. So, so thank you for just being so honest with sharing your experience and your struggles. And one of the biggest things that you said there, and you did it, so you're not just talking about it, you're practicing it, is when you haven't gone through something before, you need to reach out and find people who are doing what you want to do, who have the success you're working to achieve, and just ask them questions, get a mentor, get that guidance. And that's exactly what you did. But this is what's really interesting is you just loved it so much, you went on and did another one. <laughs> so the, the reason I say that is, again, when you're starting your PGY1, 
you're seeking people who have done that, who are in it with you because you've not done that before. However, going into your PGY2, this now is no longer your first rodeo. You have the experience of your PGY1. So looking back, you've noticed a few things that are still there, but you have experience with. And some of the big highlights from what you mentioned, I mean, your support system is totally like literally ripped away from you. No husband, no friends, no family, nothing. You got to restart from ground zero. How do you mentally cope with things you've never been exposed to and never, never had any like reason to deal with before? You've got to recreate that and you've got to deal with what you see because if you don't, it's not like going to go away. You're not going to have time to process. The next day, there's going to be another event in addition to the work and having to survive and cook and take care of yourself and blah, 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 right? Yeah, absolutely. When you went through this, you ended your PGY one year successfully, but there was a ton of lessons that only you could really be honest with yourself about. You learned a lot of awesome things. You made connections. You grew as a professional. But as an individual and really showing up as your best self to learn at the best way possible and to give it the best way that you can, you had to have some honest conversations with yourself and prepare yourself for round two. I didn't do a PGY2, actually. You didn't do a PGY2? Ooh. So going into your next round, what, what, what did that look like when you were done with PGY1? So when I was done with PGY1, I guess I should go back to like the mid-year decision because I had not made the decision going into mid-year whether or not I was going to do a PGY2 or not. So I went into mid-year interviewing for positions actually in medication safety because that was something I was passionate about. Yes. And so I did interview and do like the sit downs with programs through PPS system and the pharmacy placement service for those who might not be familiar at ASHP Medir. And it didn't feel right for me, actually. So Ooh. I just was like the whole time in the back of my head, I was like, this doesn't feel right. This is not, you know, and I had some good interviews and I liked them. And I, but I was like, this doesn't feel right. So I, left mid-year a little confused because I had planned to do the second year. I talked with my husband. I was going to have to go somewhere else, but there was programs that were closer to home, things that might be a little bit easier for his job to transfer to because they were closer and in the same district. And so we had a lot of discussions and had decided, you know, if that's the path I wanted to go down, that's what we were going to do. And after leaving mid-year, I was like, I don't think this is what I wanted to do. So I met with, oh my gosh, so many people at my residency program, like pretty much everybody who'd been my preceptor and people who hadn't been my preceptor and people from back home that knew me personally that were in pharmacy and not in pharmacy. And the whole time, every time I talked to them, they all came to the same conclusion. You don't want to do this. That's not what your career should be doing. That's yes. not the direction you should go. And so this is about the time where I started doing a lot of working on my mindset and trying to figure out how I wanted to think about these things. And so during, we had a project block that was, you know, you're on on rotation, you're working more on your research project. And I took that time, which was a little bit of a break to kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my career. So I decided that I was going to go into the workforce. And at the same time, I also did a lot of work on my time management. So I took a um, time management course <laughs> and the cat's back. 
so I took a time management course. It was a Tony Robbins time management course. I was watching a lot of videos on mindset, reading books on mindset. And I came to the conclusion at the beginning of the year, you know, New Year's resolutions that sex was going to be different. It was all going to work out. So I worked on my routine. I started getting up at like 4.35 a.m., which people who are in residency probably are thinking I'm crazy, but that's what I did. And I would work out in the morning. I would just, you know, make breakfast, have a good start to my day. So I had those things out of the way when I got to work. And then I just started looking for jobs. And that wasn't the easiest balance for sure. It was very interesting because right in the middle of that, another unexpected thing, we had the wonderful coronavirus pandemic right about the time that I would be applying for jobs and then everything disappeared from the internet. Nobody is hiring. We're not doing elective surgeries. We don't know what the market's going to look like. And I did apply to some jobs that were very different than what I wanted. One of them, I actually went through the interview and after I left the interview, again, it didn't feel right. So I did the scary thing in May of this year and sent them a message and said, thank you for your time, but I don't think that I'm the right person for the job. And making that decision was terrifying because at the time there was literally nothing else available in the area where my husband lived and I wanted to come back and work. But it all worked out. So the place that I had interned right after that sent me a message. I got messages from multiple pharmacists that worked there. They're like, we have job openings. We want you to apply. And I got one of them and I'm just so excited to be there. So it all worked out. But yeah, it was definitely quite the journey. <laughs> well, first off, congratulations. And that's such a testament and probably made you smile that like everyone you used to work with was like, hey, hey, come back, come back. Yes. <laughs> Most pharmacy students and pharmacists struggle with standing out among the competition. So at scriptyourbrand.com, we help you create your ultimate competitive edge, your personal brand. Once you have that, you'll also have the freedom to do what you love instead of having to settle being trapped working a dead-end job. www.scriptyourbrand.com. Enroll today so that we can help you create your tomorrow. There's so many good points that you made, and I want to come back to one that might have seemed like a mistake, but I did it on purpose. So I said, oh, PGY2, PGY2. There's a reason I did that. So many students that get on the residency track, they, they suffer for a good reason. It's in line with their goal. PGY1 is essential for a lot of career tracks. However, there are a lot of students that feel pressured, trapped, or like they have to continue on a PGY2. And this is really specific for each individual. And I want you guys listening to hear me really closely. I might not have done a residency, but I've talked to a lot of students who have fell into this trap, which is why I wanted to make this such a big point. If you do a PGY-1, you don't necessarily have to do a PGY-2. It depends, again, on your career track, your individual situation, and so forth. But I want you to really, really hear me. You don't have to be pressured into doing it. Like, oh, well, your preceptor is pushing you to do that, or the place that you worked at is offering you an invitation and on and on and on. You do not allow your future to be dictated by other people. You have to take control of your own career path. Don't let anyone else push you into that or pressure you if it doesn't feel right or if it doesn't fit in line with what your goals are. And that's gonna be extremely hard to do as Dr. Sierra just shared. 
in that it didn't feel right, but I'm sure you had a ton of pressure. You were like, oh, you know, I'm already in this mindset. Like I shifted everything. It's now or never, blah, 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 right? Oh, yeah. And there's also that fear. You know, if I don't do that, will I ever get to where I want to go in my career? And I think what really helped me is I was with the director of pharmacy where I wanted to go back to and where I am now. And I just told him, here's what I want to do with my career. Does this really line up? And he was like, you know, if it was me on the other side hiring, no, you know, this isn't, you know, this does not match up with what you want to do with your career. Here's all the things that you can do with your PGY1 and then working afterwards, the type of things that you can do to get where you want to go. And I, you know, I felt that pressure too, because when I came in to my PGY1, I said, you know what, I'm going to do a PGY2. I'm going to be this NICU clinical pharmacy specialist. I like everything. I like general peds. I didn't really like the ER. That's probably the only place I didn't really like, (laughs) but I liked medication safety. I liked administration. I liked the oncology floor. Like I liked so many different things. So specializing in that one area at the time was not really what I wanted to do with my career at all. And so then I was like, okay, but I still need to do that PGY2. Like I still had it in my head that that's what I needed to do. Um, and, you know, just like I said, when I talked to my mentors, the more and more I talked with them, the more I realized that that's not what I wanted to do. And the position that I'm in now where I get to do a little bit of everything all the time is more perfect for me and what I wanted to do with my career. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I highlighted that for a reason, because like I said, so many students feel like you know, it's all or nothing. Like if I only do PGO, I want, it doesn't matter whatever the false beliefs are. So thank you for sharing that insight and how, if you are in that position, how to find if that is the right move to keep going or to pursue your career, asking mentors and saying like, where am I looking to end up? And then literally just ask those people, like, do you require a PGO? I one if this is where I want to go. Now, while that was a big point, this is the real big one. So you learned a ton of things clinically, you learned a ton of things professionally, but how to show up as your best self, taking all those lessons, and I think they say one year of residency is the equivalent of three to five years practicing, if I'm, if I'm correct, understanding that yeah. correct. Yeah, they, I think ASHP says like three years for a PGY1 at the minimum. <laughs> yes. So taking all that experience, now you're heading into your dream job. And there were a lot of lessons that you learned and you had to make a decision. You're resetting your norm. You're now taking what you did with your mindset training and going through your your awakening, really, of how essential self-care is. Because like we've said, if you sacrifice those things short-term, like sleep, exercise, short-term, here and there, it doesn't make a big difference. But when you extend that and then you get faced in stressful situations, you're not going to show up as your best self. And reflecting on that is going to even drive that stress and anxiety and and all those negative things even further. So what I want to have you share is how you've taken those lessons from residency life. If you had to go back and do it again, what you would have done differently, if anything at all, and the lessons that you've learned and what you're applying into your practice now that you only could have learned from the residency track that you went on. Absolutely. So, you know, I would like to say I would do stuff differently, but the struggles that I went through have made me the person I am today and I am a much better person for it. So I'm glad it happened the way it did. Yeah. 
but because there's residents that are currently on here students i don't want you to have to go through that just the same struggles that i did so i know you're going to have your own but some things that you know if i were to give somebody advice going through it now what i would have done differently is to make yourself a priority from the get-go it is easy to get sucked in and i'm going to be honest it does take a lot more time to do everything that you need to do as a resident the first few times you do it because you've never done it before but by the end of the month you know if it's something you do every month or every other month you've done it five six times at that point so the second half of the year it's you know second nature you know how to do those things so you have to realize that the first half of the year is going to take more of your time most likely because you have everything is new you're at a new facility, most likely. You're now a pharmacist, which you've never really actually verified an order under your own name before. You've never been licensed. You've never been the pharmacist that the physicians come to for questions or been on your own on the weekend, whatever it may be. So there's a lot of firsts that you have to get through. But that makes it even more important to make sure you're putting yourself first and making sure you're taking time for yourself, whether it is you're going to spend all day Saturday on the couch watching Netflix, which I did on multiple occasions, no shame. Like I just didn't leave my couch. I think I watched the entire season of Rivendell one weekend, like everything that was on Netflix. Put that on your resume. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was impressive. I did it all in one weekend. Um, wow. I did not leave my couch. <laughs> but, you know, the point being here is that, you know, it's still important to take care of yourself. It's still important to eat healthy, invest in an Instant Pot. That's what got me through, you know, do something quick, but make sure you're not eating pizza all the time or, you know, whatever's in the cafeteria. Um, and also, you know, make friends and do stuff outside of residency. Explore wherever you're at. I know that's harder right now with all of the social distancing restrictions, but, you know, I had some great times with the friends that I had mentioned at the beginning that I had met through APHA and we ended up doing stuff for my birthday. I went, you know, we went to the Texas State Fair. You know, I had a lot of good times through residency, it's because I reached out and said, hey, this is my weekend off, let's go do something fun. I love that. The other thing that's really cool, guys, is obviously you go into residency knowing it's not going to be easy. Obviously, you go into it knowing it's going to make you a better pharmacist, develop as a person. But the thing is, and this is so cool, and few people do this, which is one reason that I wanted Dr. Richard to do this podcast, is you take those things and you apply them to your career, all right? to help you grow and to show up the best way for your patients and colleagues. But if you take those lessons and then become a mentor and use what you've learned, use the things that you're actually putting into practice and seeing the results and share them in a way that helps others on that path, you literally create your personal brand by sharing the struggle and turning your test into your testimony with how you can help others along their path. And that's exactly what Dr. Richard has done. And I've been watching her, no creepiness, <laughs> but I've been watching her on social media. And what she's been doing has been absolutely phenomenal. And I'll have all of her social media links in the show notes so that you guys can follow her if you're crazy enough to not be following her already. But her content is top-notch, especially on YouTube. She engages and answers every question and every comment with the followers that come on. And she shares real stuff. I mean, you guys heard her talk on here. She's not shying away or scared of talking about the real stuff that few people want to talk about because they feel ashamed. They feel like they're less than. It's the reality that we all face that if you go on the residency track, you will face. And she's taking a stand to bring the conversation up 
to help guide you through what that will look like. Um, so what I want to invite you to do now is kind of share how your brand or the social media content that you've been putting out has changed over the last year with your focus, with how you, your intentions, with what you're looking to show up, and with what the message is that you're looking to share with people that meet you and follow you on social media. Absolutely. So I started doing the social media thing and it was kind of more of an experiment. Like I loved watching YouTube videos and I saw stuff on there. I was like, I can do that. Well, I knew nothing about editing videos or taking videos or anything of the sort. And so I just started, you know, messing around with my phone. And if you do go to my YouTube channel, please don't watch the first few videos I posted because that's probably actually embarrassing. <laughs> but you have to start somewhere, right? You have to start somewhere. So I did it and I like loved it. I loved learning, you know, little bits on how I can edit better or do different scenes better. Um, my husband is really into technology. So he was teaching me things and um, I just really enjoyed it. And that's one of the things that I kind of shied away from a little bit when I was in residency is I had pulled back on that. And when it came down to what I needed to do to better myself and really change my mindset is that self-care time was me making videos for other people. That is kind of what I started doing with my, you know, little bit of free time that I had as a resident was, you know, especially going through residency, like what did I wish somebody had told me? before. And so I get, did some videos on applications and it went over really, really well and like what they should put in their applications. So I got one of my friends and we did, okay, here's what we need to do. You know, Q&A, what you guys want to know about the interview process. And we did some stuff about the interview process. And so I kind of went through that and was providing, you know, real life, this is what it's like to be a resident. This is what it's like to go through the interview process and things that I wish I knew. I did the same thing with boards, you know, here's all the things that I wish I would have known for boards. Like I had ordered a law exam review that had wrong answers in it. Like, I don't want you to do that. I found that out because I knew the Missouri law very well. At that point, I'd practiced there for like eight years. And I was like, that's not right. I looked it up. I was like, no, that's not right. And so, you know, those are just things that I didn't want other people to go through. So that's kind of how my stuff shift. It was more like I was doing like the health and wellness thing. And then I shifted more to help students and student pharmacists. And I did some more of the healthcare stuff, but I was focusing more on medications at that point um, and doing some specific med education as well. And that's kind of where my content is shifting more back to now. Um, I definitely still open and answer questions for students and residents um, that send me DMs. Um, I get emails and that sort of stuff, and I always answer those as well. But, um, you know, bringing it back to the medication piece and what I really wanted to focus on to begin with was um, women's health and medication. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, um, particularly in like the women's health and the self-care realm of what you have to do to take care of yourself and what that looks like. Um, so I'm really focusing now since I got out of residency um, on that kind of content and particularly self-care. So I haven't announced this yet, but I guess I will since I am on here. Um, in September, I have been working for months on a September self-care challenge because I feel like that's where I fell off the wagon in residency. You're in your first uh, rotation, maybe transitioning to your second at that point, And that is where everything has kicked in. And that is where I fell off. So 
in September, I'm going to be doing a self-care challenge throughout the whole month. It's completely free, but these are the tips that I wish somebody had given me at that point in time in residency. And so hopefully that'll help people as well. But my main focus is just trying to help people not experience the things that I have had to go through myself and hopefully have a better experience because of that. I love that. And yeah, first time I'm hearing it, but yeah, y'all heard it here first. <laughs> we got the exclusive. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. There's so much power in community and just sharing that. I mean, you started doing that. I reached out, I think it was like a week ago, you started doing your push-ups, and I, I DM'd you and I was like, way to go with the push-ups!" because I did something similar through COVID. Whenever my gym got taken away, it was so sad. <laughs> no more it was squats. very sad for all of us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're like, yeah, this is something that I've been you know, struggling with and I'm really making this a priority to grow through. And now because you're going through that, you're inviting others in to go through that growth process with you, which I think is absolutely brilliant. There's so much value. And I, I think it's like you become a mentor to your former self. And by doing that, you're sharing those lessons and inviting other people in to have that dialogue. And there's just so much growth overall. Because just like you said, going back to the start of this podcast, being a teacher, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And there's, it's just so rewarding and fulfilling. You said your best self-care time was editing videos and creating content because you're helping others. They're reaching out saying, this helped me so much. I, I was told this, but you, you set the record straight and it saved me so much uh, you know, anxiety. And now I feel confident. Like That's super rewarding. And I, I get that 100%. So a few things. Where can people connect with you on social? I, I, I know I've mentioned YouTube and Instagram. So where are you most active on social? And, and tell us how we can get into this challenge coming up. Absolutely. So there's a lot of exciting things I haven't told you about yet that are coming. So definitely YouTube is, I'm on YouTube all the time as well as my Instagram. I'm always posting in stories. Um, you guys see my cat. He likes to hang out on my Instagram feed too, you know, in the stories. He's always there when I work out. In podcasts. Um, for the push-up challenge. He's not doing any of them. It's very disappointing, but you know. So Instagram, I'm always on Instagram. You can connect with me there. And then the self-care challenge, it's not totally done yet, but my website will be launching in time for the self-care challenge and you will yes. be able to sign up for it there um, I'll have a calendar and I will be posting every day for the challenge on Instagram as well as having some YouTube videos that go along with it. So I love those it. are the two big places to find me. I love it. Guys, I'll have all those links in the show notes so that you can get on the Happy Farm Life Squad and get so fit for the fall so you can fall into your best self. How about that? Sounds great. <laughs> hey, well, thank you so much for sharing. And I just want to acknowledge you for the amazing journey that you've gone through and for the value that you bring in being so honest and open with everything that you've experienced for the betterment of others. It's truly a service to the profession, and it's an honor to have you on the podcast to share that, especially with those going into the residency life, you crazy people. <laughs> yes, crazy, but again, it was worth it for me. I hope it's worth it for them. You know, it's it will Definitely be. Definitely a journey for sure. <laughs> it will be. Guys, this is Dr. Adam Martin of the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast signing off with the Dr. Sierra Richard. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential.